The Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast features people from the real estate community sharing real stories about their struggles, pains, and even losses during their own real estate journey. We share these real experiences so you can learn from them and build a successful journey of your own. Now, here's your host, Cody Lewis, one of the managing partners at Vindu Capital, located in Charleston, South Carolina. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the show. I'm so excited to see you here. And if you're joining us for the first time, we appreciate it. I'm excited to have on our guest today. He is the founder and CEO of Mission First Capital, Phil Capron. Phil, thanks for joining us today. How are you, sir? Hey, Cody, doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, no, listen, the pleasure's all mine. I've enjoyed the conversation thus far. I know we've worked really hard to, to get, get to where we are today. We've had a, a couple of miscues on, on scheduling, a little bit on my part, I know as well, but super excited to have you here. I know you got an awesome story for us today. Uh, but before we jump into that, just in case people are, are hearing your voice or seeing uh, your face here on the video for the first time, would love to get your origin story, where you're from, how you got into real estate, and where you find yourself these days. Sure. So Phil Capron, I'm uh, in Virginia Beach, Virginia, and I jokingly say that I got into real estate the same way as everyone else, which is by being an ocean lifeguard, traveling around in a punk rock band, playing drums playing poker for a living sort of professionally, and then joining the special ops in the Navy and doing that for a few years. So obviously none of that has anything to do with real estate. But the point is, no matter what you're doing, if you commit to this business, if you commit to this asset class to better yourself and your family's financial future, you can do it because nothing in my background was had anything to do with real estate, frankly. Well, it's really interesting. You mentioned that you took the words out of my mouth. I always like to tell our audience that no matter where, what you're doing and where you're coming from in life, if you have the drive and the dedication, and the willpower to learn and invest in yourself and, and educating on what you need to do at any point in your career, you can jump into real estate. I've met people as young as their early twenties, as, as old as their like late sixties that are just now getting started. And it's amazing to hear where people have come from. I will say rock band is a new one. As far <laughs> as we're in, in professional poker player, we'll cross that off the bingo list. But I think those are the first time we, we've heard that. Phil, again, I, I can't thank you enough for joining the show. Uh, as I mentioned at the top, you have an amazing story. So I'd love for you to share it today. Your, your kind of unsuccess story, if you will, to, to help educate myself and the audience. So when I actually got into real estate was in 2010. I had just been transferred to Norfolk or Virginia Beach, Virginia in the Navy. And I had rented an apartment with a few of my buddies from training and then decided that I wanted to buy a house. It turned into a house hack. I didn't know what that was. I just knew that my mortgage payment was $1,500 a month for a four bedroom, three and a half bath, you know, hundred yards from the beach and five minutes into the base that we all worked on. So I thought it was a great deal. And then you know, I had the the Cush master with the jacuzzi tub and the big walk-in closet and all the bells and whistles. And somebody rented my in-law suite for 800. And then another couple guys rented the third and fourth bedrooms for 600 each. All of a sudden I was living for free. And, you know, maybe that's when I was really hooked. I found out I was getting out of the military in 2012 and took a class to become a real estate agent because I figured that that was real estate. Oh, how wrong I was, but maybe some of you <laughs> listening are in that same kind of place. Being a real estate agent was great for me because it taught me what value was. As I was shopping with buyers, 
to get them the best possible deal and listing people's homes to try to get them the top dollar, I had to understand what things were worth. And that very important skill led me into my first flip property, which is my unsuccess story. A buddy of mine in the office explained to me how to bid on government owned homes. And I won't get into the minutia of exactly how to do it, but it was a website. You go on and you submit your bid. And if you got a contract accepted, you had, you know, a day or two to send in your deposit overnight mail and then, you know, X number of days to, to close. So the first one I send in the thousand dollar deposit because you have to do it right away. And then I had a construction friend come and look at the house with me and he determined that it was going to fall over due to all of the termite damage. You know, I, I called up, you know, the government HUD said, oh, this has got termites. I said, we don't care. Thanks for the thousand dollars nerd. Better luck next time. Maybe they didn't say all of that, but that was the gist of it. Yeah. That's uh, what was going through your head as, as yeah, you, after you sent it. Precisely. You know, it had take, taken me maybe six to nine months after my friend sort of opened my eyes to this opportunity to get that first contract and then to lose it and lose my thousand dollars. So being, you know, a former poker player, I know that, okay, this is just a beat and it, it's not forever. I just have to get back on the horse and, and do better next time. So I found another deal a few months later and I was able to get it under contract. Fortunately, I took the construction guy in immediately before I sent the thousand dollars and determined that yes, this was a good deal. I purchased it for $92,500 and our rehab budget was $25,000. I went in with a good contractor, a good friend, a good price, a good house in a good neighborhood. And we thought we had everything sort of figured out. But anyone who's flipped the house knows that there's going to be unexpected items that come up. Our construction timeline went long by a couple of months and our budget went over by about $10,000. And it had taken me so long to get this first deal, this first flip deal that was going to put me on the map. I had in my head that I, I was going to make $30,000. So the ARV after repair value that we came up to, uh, with for this deal was around 180,000. The way the math worked is we were supposed to be into it with closing costs, uh, reno, everything for about 130. And then with the hard money cost, it would take us up to about 140. Since I was an agent, I'd save some costs on the back end, you know, so I should make 25 to 30,000 if we got the, you know, the full, the full 180,000 purchase price. But we went over budget, we went over time, and I wanted to make up the difference. So this is, this is where the mistake comes in. Instead of listing it for 179.9 that I knew the market would support, I decided to list it for 189.9 to try to get my $10,000 back and to preserve my margin. I held open houses two weekends in a row. I had people coming through to show, but no offers. And that's what you call bad news. So a month in, I reduced to 185 and I received an offer at 175. And I said, let's do 180. They said no. And they went and they bought another house. So another month goes by and I've reduced to 179.9 where I should have started. And another offer comes in at 169.9. I said, let's do 175. And they said no. And they went and bought another house. So now another month goes by and my hard money lender is calling 
saying, hey, um, your loan's due, what's going on with the sale? I said, just hang on, a little bit longer. So I ended up selling it for 155 because I was now up against the time constraint. And instead of going to the closing table for my first flip and cashing a nice big check for 25 or 30,000, that was the plan, I actually got to write a check for $1,000. So for mm. all that education, it cost me $1,000. And the moral of the story is the pig gets fat and the hog gets slaughtered. That a good friend of mine was good enough to share with me after I explained what happened to him. And he'd flipped a lot of houses and he knew exactly the trap that I'd fallen into. If I had just accepted that first offer, I would have made, I guess, 15 or 18,000, I think 18. But instead, I was at risk of defaulting on my loan and was forced to take an offer that wasn't what I needed to take. But I learned the lesson. I flipped a few dozen homes after that. It got me into multifamily. It got me to where I am today as the founder and CEO of Mission First Capital. So the unsuccess led to a lot of success. The keys are work to learn before working to earn. It's okay if your first one isn't going to knock it out of the park because by continuing to do action, continuing to get educated to, and to understand value, to build your team, to build all these other muscles that you know are involved with being a successful real estate entrepreneur, you're going to get more opportunities and you're going to make them worthwhile because you do them better, a little bit better every single time. So the key is don't be too greedy, keep taking action, have some fun. I love it. I wanna circle back though, because I feel like a lot of people listening are either getting ready to get in real estate, just gotten into real estate. And for the most part, we've had a ton of interviews here and we've been very fortunate to talk to a lot of people. And a lot of people get in in the single family home. And I feel like flipping is maybe easiest isn't the right word, but it's the route most people take because they understand the single home market. They've maybe bought or sold a few homes in their lifetime. They get it. They maybe do have a contractor friend or have some skills that they can leverage themselves. So, so that's an easier way or, or more known way to get in. Would you say that if you're doing your first flip, go ahead and add a little cushion onto the end of the reno budget and the reno timeline if it's your first one? Because as you mentioned, things come up, they're unforeseen. And if it's your first one, you probably don't know how to mitigate those types of risk or how to handle them in the moment super quick. Or some of them, you just can't, they just come up. But if you're saying yes, and I see you're shaking your head yes, what kind of cushion would you give on both of those maybe uh, as some advice to those maybe looking to get into that route? So I got in the habit of always adding 10%. And my budgets for flips are always very round. So if I think something is going to cost $3,300, I'll make it 4000 So I fudge it high to around four-figure or five-figure number with the initial line item. And then I also added another 10% on top. So if we're talking about hedging for new investors, another great way is to partner with the person that is in control of all the renovation, you know, because when you're paying somebody, I'm sure you've probably heard some horror stories about contractors that, you know, turn off their phones and run away with the money and all that. Trust is really important, but if you can align interests, I think that's really powerful especially until you know enough to be dangerous. And I, and I would wonder too, I mean, you said you knew your, your contractor, they were, they were a close friend. Um, for those maybe that have family members or close friends, we've also heard it doesn't matter how close of a friend or family they are. They could be your, 
your brother, your sister, whoever, get a contract. Go ahead and draw up who's responsible for what, what's the timeline, what's the what's the price, what are the what are, what happens if things go long, what happens if you finish early, those types of things. W- would you echo that sentiment for those getting into this? A hundred percent. And I don't believe there's anything that you're going to do that's going to totally alleviate the risk. So vet them as best you can on the front end with referrals, get a contract that makes sense. But unless something's totally egregious, you're likely not going to litigate anyway. And if you do want to, if they're operating under an LLC, it's going to be hard to pierce the corporate veil. It's just a headache that you don't want. So references, referrals, a good agreement itemized, like Cody said, is the best thing to lessen the chance for misunderstanding, costly misunderstanding and conflict down the line. You know, my favorite thing is just to align interests. You know, everyone's out there trying to do what's going to be the best for themselves and their family. So if you can sort of row the same direction, I find that that's really helpful, especially in the bigger projects that I'm involved with today. It just, it frankly wouldn't work if I had to micromanage everyone and, you know, crack a whip. I much prefer the carrot over the stick. It doesn't work for everyone. People still will disappoint you and, you know, do awful things. And what you got to realize is it's not a reflection on you. It's a reflection on them and just keep doing the best job that you can do. And in each successive time that you break out of your comfort zone a little bit and take slightly more action, you're going to grow that muscle. You're going to learn and you're going to be more powerful, more dangerous going forward. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Always push the comfort zone because that's where you, you really grow. It's, you know, it's like working out, you know, you're not really doing anything until you feel that burn. Cause that's the breakdown of the tissue that you're going to build back up. So no, I love that. And you know, it goes back to show that a, a lot of things that we're hearing, they're echoed in what you're saying and people that are looking to get in, they, they just got to mitigate those risks early on, especially if they're new, especially if this is going to be their first one, be a little bit more uh, leery on how much it's going to cost you. Add that bump in there, add that time frame in there. Cause you're, you're probably going to run into things. And, and if not your first one, likely your, your second or third one. So Phil, that's a great story. And I can't thank you enough for coming on it and being open enough to talk about those types of things. Not a lot of people are, are able and willing to come on and, and show the stuff or talk about the stuff that we don't see on Instagram and, and LinkedIn and that sort of stuff. So thank you uh, for coming on. Uh, sure thing. Sure thing. It's, it, it's been fun. And it seems like ancient history as this was what, like eight, eight years ago or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, and that doesn't mean that there's not problems today, but it's just about doing a little bit more and being able to deal with them one way or another. And if you want bigger, you're asking for bigger problems. If you want a small life where your biggest problem is what to have for dinner, you're welcome to have it. No one's saying you can't. If you want a big life, you're inviting some, you know, you're inviting some turbulence and that's okay. Yeah. Well, and, and I would imagine, you know, all those little bumps in the road that you've hit and, and depending on what you determine as small bumps, right there, they've helped prepare you for what you're doing today. And while they felt large, probably in the moment, you know, we've definitely heard of a thousand dollars that pales into comparison to some of the money we've heard lost from others in, in the five and six figures in some of their, their opportunities that they're working on. So it all compounds. And and as long as you're pushing forward and learning from those mistakes, they're ultimately not bad. They're, they're, as you said, you're, you're working to learn not to earn on some of those first ones. 
So uh, Phil, for those that want to work with you, that want to invest with you, that want to learn from you in the future, where's the best place folks can find you at on the interwebs? These days, the best uh, place to, to find and uh, get into my universe is missionfirstcapital.com. Perfect. We're going to drop that link in the show notes for everyone uh, to quickly access. Uh, I highly recommend reaching out to Phil if you're uh, of any interest in working with him in the future. Uh, I love what you're doing there, Phil. Again, thank you for joining us today. It's been a pleasure having you on, chatting with you and learning from all your experience. Yes, sir. Had a blast. Thank you, Cody. <laughs> Absolutely. And thanks everyone for listening and watching at home. We'll see everyone next time. You've been listening to the Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast with Cody Lewis. Be sure to subscribe today on your favorite podcasting platform so you can catch every episode of the Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast.